Welcome to the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. I am your host, Tom Fold. In these episodes, we will meet loving, talented people who, while coping with their own pandemic stress, are offering others understanding, compassion, love, and ways to relax and even heal under the weight of current conditions. Listen with an open heart to those who, at this time of crisis, are offering their hearts and talents to us all. And today I am very happy to have as our guest, Mark K. Suzanne, who is a wellness coach and yoga teacher. Welcome, Mark K. Hi there, Tom. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. I'm very glad you're here. And I want to start this because you say something I think is very interesting. You, you say in, in your material that, you know, you coach your clients about holistic health, wellness, and nutrition practices that nourish the body and the soul. Now, I, I understand all of that, but I think saying the part about the soul is vital and very important and not said by many others who are doing this kind of work. So I'm, I'm pleased to find out more about that. So my question is, tell me about how we're nourishing all of that and the soul. Sure, sure. Um, so I think if um, we think back to the foundation of yoga, yoga is about union. And as you mentioned, yoga is one of the lenses in which I look at the world. And so that union can be thought of in many different ways. It can be thought of as me and you, us and those that are beyond the walls that we are sitting in now, or it can be me with my body and my mind, my soul, my entity. And so within that kind of lens of looking at union with, with yoga, it is an intentional outpouring in which I work to make sure that we're not just thinking of one of these entities, that they are all encompassing and, and that's the approach that I'm taking. That manifests itself in many different ways. As you mentioned, yoga is not just a physical practice. It incorporates many different, more subtle layers that lead then into the, the soul of a person, if you think about it. And as it relates to nutrition, of course, the food, the, the drink that we are consuming can either be our greatest healing source, or it can be a, a slow, you know, degrade of, of the body and ultimately the mind. And so thinking about both the ways that we nourish the body and then how does that impact the mind? Um, it's interesting as well, too, because sometimes one thing that we might be doing to work to advance maybe um, an aspect of the physical body could in fact be harming a component of the more subtle, the mind, the soul aspect of the body. And so it's just a, a recognition that they are one in the same and that we can think about them either from a top down, meaning starting with the mind and coming into the body or in the somatic practices of yoga, which is traditionally taught in this Western world, we think of the body, so the bottom up, and then the body then influences the mind. And so being mindful of that connection for me is something that I use as a lens for all the aspects of the ways in which I'm engaging with other persons and or a, a client relationship as well. Well, when you see clients for the most part, or at least nowadays, what mm -hmm are they looking for? What do they come to you for? Do they come to you for yoga or for other holistic healings? It, it kind of depends. I, I very much do um, 
express the the modality in which I primarily operate within. It is yoga and nutrition counseling. And so my clients typically come to me for one of those. I will say, though, given COVID, there has been an immense amount. And I, I know you've had other healers coming onto your chats as well that are talking about the impact of stress and anxiety that has heightened itself within this pandemic state. And so as it relates to yoga, people are coming in and are more interested and receptive to thinking about meditation, to mindfulness practices, and to a connection with the breath. And so we very much know that the breath can be soothing, the, the breath can be anxiety inducing, depending on the way in which it is moving within and flowing um, within the body. Yes, and I, as you said there, I think what you're saying, what I know is true, is that we are all having quite a bit of stress. I mean, and stress is the, is the forerunner of disease, as we all know. And it has been clear to us all that the stress has been there for this last year plus. And interestingly enough, and I wonder what your thoughts are on this too, as we move towards something which we may or may not be able to call normal, but going back towards normal, there seems to be another kind of stress, and maybe you're experiencing that of going, changing again. Once again, we move, I know what I'm doing in the pandemic, but now you tell me I can take my mask off. What is that all about? Have yeah. you experienced any of that? Absolutely, and, and this is a point of conversation that I have both with clients, with friends, with family, um, because you're absolutely right. With the pandemic, we kind of were thrown into this, and it was very much kind of like a hard break that we all of a sudden one day could go about our normal business, and then the next day we were put indoors. And to me, both the the incoming, you know, year ago, 15 months ago, and now kind of shows the resiliency of the human spirit, we are incredibly adaptable. And we have traversed um, and, and we have learned an immense amount of ourselves, about others, about society, as we have come into this, this new state of being. And then the same thing will happen in, in my mind, as we're working to exit. And so I'm hopeful of a couple things. Um, one is that we can take this time that we have spent uh, the last 15 months or so. And despite the fact, and I, I'm definitely not downplaying the tragedy that has taken place, but can we look for some hope amidst all of this um, and think about what it could be like to experience some post-traumatic growth um, that is a byproduct of our time spent in, in this, you know, odd situation. And, and that's one component that I'm super hopeful uh, about. And I think the other part that for me is, is very important is that we all had different approaches and tolerances and levels of risk that we were willing to partake in as we came into the, the shutdown. And I just hope that as we come out of it, we don't forget that we are human beings, you know, we're not human doers, we're not, you know, human um, machines, definitely not. And so that pause that was as necessary for us to reflect internally as to what we wanted to bring to life 
for us, what we wanted to allow to take place around us is something that I hope continues in the future. And it's not just that pause and that reflection for self. It's that pause and reflection for other that is imperative for us to emerge out of this, to you know, bloom with the spring season coming into summer, that we make sure that we are not just reflecting on what is working for us, but how that impact could affect another and how we can as a society, in my opinion, move that hope and empathy forward so that we can fundamentally better allocate our thoughts, our resources, our time to others um, because ultimately we know that we are as a society stronger as a collective than we are as an individual. Absolutely. And I also wanted to ask you to talk about a little bit about what you have done, because you have done some wonderful things to help people during this time to recognize that there was a need and that you could offer some specific help and understand that people are out of work and, and can't always pay quite what, what they might have been able to. Tell us about some of the things that you have, are, have and are offering. Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, um, it's very much about modeling the behavior in which you hope to see as a reflection. Um, and, and so for me, that was a lot of time spent immersing myself in learning and talking with folks that for me have either different backgrounds, different experiences, and or we're going through COVID in a different way. Um, and, and so that for me is something that was really important and having the time shifting, which it did within COVID and, you know, kind of forcing us to be a little bit more still than we had in our, our you know, pre-COVID lives, it allowed me to do some of that education, introspective thought so that I could then rearrange in my head how I would want to advocate, stand up, you know, provide an alternative opinion or perspective to the folks that I might interact with on a daily basis. And this could be those that are experiencing food insecurity. This could be those that might um, be going through some sort of either clinical or subclinical eating disorder or disordered eating. Um, it also could be just like what you said, someone who doesn't have the, the financial means, and I'm by no means downplaying that, that is fundamental to our existence, to partake in services that would be working to help bring themselves back to the recognition of wholeness that is within. That could be yoga, that could be breath, that could be the nourishment that's being provided from nutrition counseling. And so for me, I did that introspective thought. And then going forward, I'm really working to advocate I'm also working to offer uh, portions of my proceeds and donating to causes that are important to me. Um, and it's not just financial, it is, it is time and it's volunteering, you know, to help those learn about how they can better nourish their bodies. It is working to hold space for someone in a point of vulnerability as I listen and as they express what might be really scary for them as they're going through, you know, sorting through an emotion. And holding space for me is something that I feel is under 
acknowledged in the importance of it. And so that manifests itself across when I'm working with a private client in a yoga capacity, when something comes up, if we're going through a breath practice or a technique that was unexpected, or it could be learning about a mindful modification that could be integrated into someone's life as they're working to make a dietary or a lifestyle change so that it can be sustainable for their way. Um, And then I guess uh, very tangibly for me, it is offering free uh, services. And so once a month, I'm always offering a free community yoga class. And so depending on the theme of the month or what I've been, you know, either struggling with or thinking about, I offer that to my community and it's open to all. I also then publish the recording um, and I also offer private time if someone as a part of the community and as a participant wants to speak to me about either a concern that they have on the topic or the practice if it brought something up. And so offering, like I said, that supportive and open space is something that is absolutely paramount as to how we are helping others um, independent of a pandemic, but especially because of the pandemic. Absolutely. Well, that's wonderful. And what I'm hearing you say is a couple of many important things. One is recognizing, and, and the pandemic has, in that weird sense, helped us all, hopefully, to recognize that others are out there, that this is all this is happening to everybody. There's not just, oh, me, this is my stuff. This is everybody's stuff. And if I'm feeling this way, others may also. And the other thing that I hear, which is so vital, and what I've often heard from, from practitioners who I feel are doing a wonderful job, is that the first step is to listen. The first step is to hear what our clients are saying. And that you talk about holding the space. I wonder if you could expand a little bit on that because I believe it's a deeper issue than just listening. Holding the space has more, more to do. Tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, sure. And uh, very perceptive on your part. And I think that even prior to listening, it is a preparation of yourself, your mind, and, and that takes a lot of work. And so what I mean by that is if we're coming into a situation and we have expectations or preconceived notions about what might transpire during I don't know, this interaction of one sort or another. And it could be an interaction where when we're back out to restaurants and someone, you know, cuts in in line in front of you and uh, or it could be a a much broader conversation where, um, you know, we're we're working to understand the perspective of a loved one or something of that sort. And so really working to kind of check those expectations uh, at the door is something that for me, I'm constantly working on. And what a, what a, I, I think about it in two ways. One, it's opening myself to the potential to learn from another. And if I was projecting my expectations or my conceived notions onto another, I'm essentially stealing the opportunity from them to express whatever their opinion is. And I also think that that's not fair on many levels as well, too. And so it is more than just being in the same space and time, maybe the space is Zoom, 
at the same time with someone. And it's even more so than just actively listening. Uh, you know, there's passive and active listening, but it is kind of placing those expectations on hold and working to empathize and understand. And, and I think it's also being honest with yourself, with the other person, if, if there's something that you don't quite comprehend and then having that honest, transparent, that genuine relationship and openness that you are displaying with your words, with your body motions to, to kind of cue to the other person that they can speak their truth. Um, and I, I, I wish I knew who, who um, gave this quote, but for me, one thing that kind of resonates for me in points of disagreement or, or just general misunderstanding is that, you know, it's as much my fault that you felt that you had to lie to me or you couldn't speak your truth because I didn't offer a place in which you could feel as though you wouldn't be judged and that your truth could be heard. And, right. And so, yeah, well, I think what you just said there is very, very important because you used the word which you hadn't used up till now, but is the word judged. I think a lot of what you're saying is, is not going into situations with judgment, not going, yeah. not judging someone and saying, oh, well, your problem is X. I know that because I'm a coach or whatever, uh, yeah. but opening to see what is their situation, what is really yeah. happening. And I think that's a struggle, but a good one. It, it is. And I agree with you. I often think that if my, I am a very curious person and, and that's kind of allowed me to navigate many different avenues, you know, careers, if you want to say. Um, and if that curiosity is not led with compassion, then you could get yourself in, you know, so, some trouble. But if, if compassion is a forefront as to what you are asking a question to learn about and that other person has a sense that that is the impetus and, you know, why you're in, in question or you're expressing, you know, this, I think that that's helpful in kind of dispelling some uh, maybe internal tension, anxiety, or even possibly um, maybe someone in the past had more of an aggressive standpoint when a similar question was asked. And so that's calming for another individual if then they recognize that you're coming in and you're consistently showing up with compassionate curiosity to better understand them, then they can be put a little bit more at ease. And within that ease state, which you know you have mentioned, will then work to reduce the stress level. That's when you know breakthroughs. That's when our authentic self can really shine forward, and and we can offer what is genuine for ourselves outwards. Absolutely, which you're describing is a safe space. Mm -hmm. And safety, without that safety, no, nothing else can happen. No, no healing can take place. Yeah, it's, it's even, um, I, I love that you're calling that out. And um, one of my uh, yoga therapist uh, teachers even says that it's a combination of both safe and brave because it's very vulnerable at times for people to speak a truth that society may have told them was wrong or, you know, didn't have a place or, you know, put them down. And so it takes courage 
to have that, that, you know, inherent nature that you can be vulnerable with someone else. And you're absolutely right. Um, it's not an easy thing to do and it takes time. And so maybe that person that I gave you the instance of that you're standing in line at a restaurant and someone cuts you off, maybe they won't know initially, you know, that, that it's a safe or a brave space, you know, maybe they are going to feel as though you're trying to pick a fight, but how can you diffuse that tension in both subtle and overt ways? And, and that could be having a, a calm voice, that could be making sure your, your body positioning is not offsetting um, and things of that nature. Yes. Now, one thing I'm noticing uh, with this conversation you and I are having is that it's very, I feel it's very intimate and I'm very pleased with that. Uh, and here we are doing it on Zoom. Have you experienced in the Zoom, because I know you, you worked on, totally uh, in person before, but now, of course, with the pandemic, you've been doing, I don't know if it's all, but most of it on Zoom. Have you experienced that closeness also that you've been able to replicate or enjoy or participate in that closeness? Yeah, I, I have. Um... I, as, as an answer to an earlier one of your questions, I spent a lot of time studying myself and participating in both formal and informal learning environments online. And then I also am on the other side. I am instructing, uh, I am leading, whatever you want to call it, uh, groups of people as we are coming together as well too. And, and I will say that a lot of that has to do with the environment that's set up by the quote unquote leaders uh, within the session. And, and I, it's not that I take complete issue with that, with that word, but I always really try to think that I'm leading and learning at the same time because my students definitely teach me a lot. They encourage me to be better. Um, and no one's eyes, you know, or no one's emotions kind of hit me more so than when I see what they are reflecting back to me. And so absolutely, that connection can be built on Zoom. Um, it, it also helps when you're seeing a person, you know, more frequently and a camera's on. Um, but by no means is that something that I require of all of my students, any of my students, in fact. Um, oftentimes, people might not feel as though they want me, you know, peering into their living room um, or they're not comfortable with whatever situation or maybe, frankly, they're just multitasking as we're doing an exercise and talking through something. And I think having that flexibility and offering it from the very beginning is just one of those ways that a person can feel more comfortable and that you increase in the potential to build that intimacy and that connection across the screen. Right. As we move forward towards whatever this new future has for us, what is your anticipation of doing things on Zoom type of or other or other features or doing them in person or some mixture? What do you see coming? What do you or what do you hope is coming? Yeah, I, I actually think that what I see and hope are somewhat aligned. Um, I do believe that there will, will be a mixed modality for delivering and receiving content and experiences. Um, I think that it's just an extension of the continuing to, you know, 
make the world smaller in a sense. Um, I, I love the fact that with Zoom, I have some of my favorite teachers, mentors that are, you know, around the world, and it wouldn't have been feasible for me to be able to take an in-person class with them or experience a workshop that they're leading. But now that's completely feasible if it's offered online. Um, I do think that we will have to uncover how we can connect those that are physically present to those that are remote. Um, I'm super excited for that to be the case as well, too. And, and I just know that, or I hope, I shouldn't say no, I hope that the increased flexibility in once again, being receptive to another person rather than requiring them to either be physically present with you to dispel information or, or something of the sort will, will remain because I think that that's truly how we're going to be able to continue to meet the needs of our students to ultimately be able to traverse oftentimes the many worlds in which we're operating in. Um, uh, as, as you mentioned, I, I'm working as um, a yoga teacher studying to be a yoga therapist, but I also have, you know, another part of my life too. And so by being able to work across online and in person at times, it allows me to have some resemblance of the best of both worlds. And right. so I think it will be really cool if that's something that we can find a way in which can be extrapolated into the future as well. Certainly hope so. And also the key that I'm hearing from you and others is that this pandemic has really given us more of a chance to notice that we are human beings, not human doings. And the more we can just be and then follow that with whatever action we need to take, but first be. And that's yeah. what I hear you talking about. First. And, and, and that's, I think that will be a challenge because now we are sitting on the precipice of many new opportunities that might have not been available to us. And so how can we selectively decide what is right, what we want to prioritize and spend our time and our energy on? Um, and how cool is it that it's just a different way in which we get to interact potentially with many more um, and hoping that it can, of course, be used for the good and it doesn't work to overwhelm people, um, especially on Zoom. There are lots of clients that I interact with that have a, a distorted body image and seeing their image on the screen reflecting back to them can be, you know, trauma inducing, anxiety inducing. And so I think it's up to the technology teams to understand that these instances exist and that they can be worked into to create options so that now there's lots of variability and we have hide self view, we have lots of other things, we have, you know, uh, artificial backgrounds that in case you don't want someone to see, you know, your messy bedroom or something like that. Um, all of those are there. And I'm just increasingly hopeful that those unique, but yet very important uh, use cases will continue to come to life um, within this technology uh, kind of integrated world that we are living in and will continue to operate in. Absolutely. Well, what sounds interesting to me, in addition, as you made me think of, 
is that I think I need to come back to you and everyone else that I work with a year from now and see how things have evolved and see how the technology is being used or differently or whatever. I think it'll be fascinating. I, really I agree. Do. I think that that's so cool. Um, and, and maybe a, an original way in which, I don't know, Zoom was working. I don't know, of course, their, their plans, but uh, I think that they were tapping the corporate market, but how cool is it that like my family from around the world, we can get together on a Tuesday night and we can play games and we can connect more frequently, all of us together. And, and that wasn't something that was always in place. And I, I would love to think that it will continue afterwards and that the importance of the connection won't be lost for the corporate games. Yes, I hope so. I mean, because family has been made much more of a thing of closeness where I, you know, you yeah. mentioned, but I have family all over the country. I don't have them out of the country, but still it's very easy now to be in touch every month with my family. And we do yeah. Zoom lunches or Zoom games, as you say. And yeah. it's a closeness that we did not have in the years before. You'd have to get on a plane to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one of the hopeful things that we continue to do, I hope. Now, yeah. amazingly as it may seem, this has been lovely and is going very rapidly. So we're almost at the end of our allotted time. Now, before we, we do end, I wanna ask you, if someone listening now would like to learn more about you and what you do and how to participate, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Sure, um, multiple channels. They are all under Marque Suzanne and that's M-A-R-K-A-Y. S-U-Z-A-N-N-E. -E. And so that could be Yoga at gmail.com. That could be MarquesSuzanneYoga.com for my website. And also the same handle on Instagram. So I try to keep it consistent and easy for anyone to be able to reach out to me. That's very smart. You, did you ever take advertising classes? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not, but I did take okay, you don't have to, classes. But I mean, it's, it's a smart thing to keep it similar, to keep you know, the things simple and so. Well, Suze Marquet, this has been just wonderful. I really love talking to you. And I think what you're doing is delightful. So thank you for being a guest on the Heart of Healing, the, the pandemic episodes. Really appreciate you being here with us. Yes, thanks, Tom. I appreciate the time as well. And best of luck as you continue spreading all this positivity into the future. Well, Thank you. With people like you talking to me, I will definitely spread lots of it. Thank you. And goodbye for now. Bye.